What's going on, everyone? Welcome to episode number seven of the Motocast Live podcast. We've uh, been off racing for a few weeks now with uh, Supercross as well as off-road, and basically across the whole world, uh, there is no racing, so I figured I'd better time than never to uh, start the podcast going again since I don't have any videos uh, keeping me busy or anything else, any other side projects. So, uh, yeah, I got a great show for you tonight. Well, I... Uh, talk racing and on the line right now riding for the prmx kawasaki team whenever we get back to racing hopefully in a matter of uh you know a few few weeks couple months whatever it may be but uh again for the prmx kawasaki team josh cartwright what's going on josh hey man how we doing thanks for having me on yeah no problem buddy thanks for doing this with us this is a uh, this is a a little bit different uh, times from anything anything any of us have ever seen before. Yes, everything's going pretty crazy right now. Everyone's just kind of stay inside and just do nothing. Some people aren't, and it's kind of just everyone just kind of waiting it out, see what's going on. So, what have you? Uh, I know you uh, were injured about two months ago or six weeks ago, whatever it was. Are you? Uh, during the whole, you know, quote unquote quarantine, are you in back in back home in Tennessee or are you still in Florida? No, I'm still in Florida. So like, yeah, I got hurt and I kind of just stay here in Florida while it's hurt. Like I was planning on going home, like when I got my cast off, but as soon as I got my cast off, um, the quarantine hit and my parents were like, well, we don't really want you traveling. We'd rather you just stay in your house and not get the virus. So, they're back in Memphis, and I'm just here. Uh, it all depends on what we're gonna do for the or for like Canada and stuff. Cause like that's where we're going in the summer, but no telling if it's gonna do it. So I was gonna go home here in a bit uh, before Canada headed up there, but never know what's going on in the summer now. Right. You mentioned the wrist. How is the wrist going? You hurt that back in what? Uh, uh, what was it? Dallas. Uh, right after Dallas. Yeah. It was the Monday morning after Dallas. Um, yeah, I crashed at the practice track and just, I broke my hand and, um, was in the cast for two weeks and then in a splint for a week or two. And it's at about six, it's at about five weeks now. And I'm almost able to ride. Like right now I'm kind of just getting my range of motion and pain out of my wrist. Cause I, I didn't hurt my wrist. I just, my hand, but being in a cast for two weeks made my wrist kind of weak, but um, it should be back riding next week or the next, but don't really have much rush. <laughs> right. Yeah. I remember, uh, well, I remember running into you at Daytona at the will call line. You were, you were still in a cast. You might've been in a splint or a, a brace at that point. I think it was still a cast, but I remember you run, running into you at Daytona at the will call office and talking to you for a bit. And that will call office is another story all in itself. Yeah. I was still in a cast in uh, Daytona. So one's up. Uh, once though, like that next Monday after Daytona, I got the cast off. So it's healing process is going good. I have my doctor here in Tallahassee, Dr. Bird. He takes care of all, all the motocross guys here. We all trust him with our lives. He's an unbelievable surgeon. I didn't have to get surgery, but he checks on us um, just whenever we get hurt. So shout out to him for helping out. Now, is he, is that doctor that you see, is he uh, pretty much lined up with all you guys down there at, down there at the goat farm, does he check on with all you guys? Are you guys kind of not necessarily have him on the payroll, but is he pretty much like the go-to guy for all you guys down there at, at Ricky's place? 
Yeah, pretty much. Like he's he's pretty much the guy that everyone goes to all like all the facilities that are down here. Like MTF, like when I was friends with them and all like Jordan Smith and all of them, like we all have him pretty much like Dr. Berg, like on speed dial. Like everyone in Tallahassee, because he's one of the one of the best surgeons here in Tallahassee, and he's a motocross fan. So he and he owns like or not owns, but he's like the top surgeon at like the biggest orthopedic uh, place here in Tallahassee, and he knows motocross, so he knows what we can do or not. So like we like, hey, can we? Like a normal doctor would say, hey, we you need to be off the bike for eight weeks. And he will tell us, like, no, that's for a normal person, not for an athlete. Yeah, you can come back and, let's say, six or five or something like that, just play with therapy and right stuff. He just knows more about the sport, and he, he's really smart. So we always have him and just kind of there in case we need him. That's always good to have, you know, a doctor that's more, you know, more familiar with what we're doing. Cause well, you know, the motorcycle stuff is, you know, definitely a more close knit niche kind of sport. And I mean, I've, I've dealt with specialists like that that are more sports related and, and have worked on guys that have raced pro motorcycles in the past. And it's definitely more, definitely a little bit more comforting. You'd have to agree to have somebody that's definitely more familiar with, with our lifestyle in, in a sense. Yeah. Oh yeah. It definitely helps a lot just cause he knows way more and he mountain bikes and rides. So. He's uh, definitely a good one to have. And speaking of the whole Tallahassee, you living in Tallahassee, you've been uh, down at the goat farm the last few years. How did that whole deal come about anyway? I, I know uh, you've kind of mentioned it before and some other stuff that you've done and some articles and everything, but how did the whole thing come about with you getting down there and going going and working with uh, Rick, Ricky and you know, Mean Genie, as they call her? <laughs> yeah, um, I, I moved down here my senior year of high school. Um, for my senior year and just because we knew FSU was right here and we wanted to pursue motocross at the same time um so I went to high school here for my senior year and then um I trained down here at GPF for a year or two and then I ended up just kind of like me and my dad were talking and he was like hey do you want to kind of just step up the program and just kind of um go to like a like uh, a true like stepped up uh program and uh, for your next pro career and I'm like yeah I'd love to what, what do you think we should do and um, he said you have Carmichael's right there figure it out so I kind of just uh, I saw him at an arena cross one weekend and just walked up to him and just like hey introduced myself told him I lived in Tallahassee told him and I'm like hey if you ever want a mountain bike and he'd heard of me a little bit just from my story he's talked about me from my story and stuff so it helped with that so like, after that we kind of just ended up being friends and then when I talked to him I said hey let's go to dinner I'd like to talk to you about training at your facility and after that it's just all from there and I've been there for about four years now I think and it, I couldn't thank them un- more than anything like they are unbelievable to me Ricky's been great Jeannie's been like my Tallahassee mom like she's un- unreal so it's definitely been a definitely a been a fun venture while I've been out here in Tallahassee and getting to know the Carmichael and big Rick is awesome too. Well, and it's what's funny about the whole thing, not funny, but just interesting, I guess is the word to use is, uh, you know, with you, it's, it's expanded like your involvement down there is expanded more beyond just, you know, Jeannie, you know, training you and Ricky helping out or anything, but you've kind of taken over with the whole social media thing for the goat farm. Not, and not that there's any like business really, 
to be gained from doing that kind of stuff, but more of just, you know, letting everyone, everyone know what's going on from the, from the facility, but you've kind of taken over that, those reins and are running like the Instagram and the Facebook and everything. And just kind of keep giving everyone updates on what's going on down there at the goat farm. Yeah. Um, so I start, uh, Ricky's uh, manager, JH Lyle, Leal, um, is, uh, he ha- usually has an assistant and first couple of years I was here, he had an assistant and then, uh, the job opened up and a couple of years, about year two or three years ago. And he, um, he said, Hey, would you like to do it? And I was kind of interested just because, um, not so much for the money aspect of it because there really isn't anything for that. It was more for, it wasn't even for that. It was like an internship because it was like, I was like, I want something on my resume, like an actual, some like for my uh, career resume, not just motocross. So I kind of told him like, Hey, how about this? Uh, I can put that on my resume. And we can, uh, I can work for you. And it, it helped me because on my resume for like a real job, once I've done the racing, nothing is on there other than motocross. So having just something on there just helped. And I'm able just to do, I do the social media. I help out uh, Jeannie whenever she needs it. Like she needs like some, uh, just anything filled out or just like just work that needs done. And since I'm an IT guy, she, uh, she calls me over for uh, computer work sometimes too, but I'm kind of just there uh, helper, anything they need, whenever they have camp, I go and help out. So, so yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of just worked out to be a pretty good uh, deal for me out here. And uh, couldn't be thankful, thankful enough. Well, it's good. It's good, like you said, to have JH behind you with, with all that stuff. Because I mean, like you said, when you do go to apply for a job in the future, and you know, with, you know, if anyone, if any of your future employers look up him, you know, there's so much behind his name with everything that he's done business wise. Not only just with Ricky and all the other guys that he's managed in motocross, but everybody that he's managed, and you know, been a representative for just in any other sports and business you know, aspect, yeah. you know, he's definitely, he's definitely one of the go-to guys, you know, especially with this, with this industry, but you know, across the board, he's definitely someone to uh, have in your corner for sure. Yeah. He's been in my corner for the past few years. And, uh, he's actually, even know, kind of just, he's a good, he's a good manager. He knows a lot of people. So I knew that would help too. He has a lot of connections. Um, just anything sponsor wise, maybe if I ever need something, I can go to him or just once maybe I start getting, uh, to the point where I'm getting better and better and I can start making consistent main events in the 450 class and getting getting to be a regular name kind of like how I was in the 250 class and uh, maybe he can start being my manager. Um, but I just got to start making real money for that. <laughs> but, well, and speaking but, of those uh, yeah. 450 main events, what was it? San, San Diego or... Uh, Oakland, Oakland, dude, I was, I was so heartbroken for you. That was, Oh, you that, were one. So... oh that one, that, that one was, uh, that one was Glendale. Glenn. Okay. That's what I thought. I thought it was, I thought it was the Phoenix, you know, Glendale, whatever, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, dude, you were so close. I was pulling for you so hard. And then, oh, it just all went away in, in an yeah, instant. It's, yeah, it's definitely, that is definitely going to haunt me for the rest of my life. I guess I got a, a good highlight reel out of it, but yeah, it's, I kind of just, I had the speed. I felt good. I was catching even like the hep because like uh, I got the whole shot and it ended up being uh, uh, Ray got around me and then Reed got around me. And then it was me, Cunningham and uh, Brees. And uh, we were on every single lap. I would catch both Brees and Cunningham in the whoops. They would kind of gap me a little bit on the other parts of the track. But then once we got to the whoops, I'd get right back onto their uh, heels. So I kind of knew that's where I needed to make my move because we were all going for three, four, and five. 
and I made my move on Cunningham after the loops that um, uh, went took him a little high, and he went down. Unfortunately uh, for him, <laughs> I guess it helped me because it kind of took a monkey off my back. But then I guess karma hit me pretty quickly with <laughs> two laps to go, and I decided to try to do a backflip <laughs> over the table table. Well, and looped her out. Well, I got to ask you this, since you, like, like you said, you, you got the little bit of a gift from Cunningham. Was there any part even before he had crashed where like in the back of your mind, like, did you have a game plan in mind or a strategy? Like if you actually got close enough to be able to rub against, you know, Brees, I guess, you know, cause everyone kind of knows anyone that's been around Ryan enough knows that he doesn't back down and he gets aggressive. Was there any strategy where you're thinking, okay, how do I play this if I can actually get close to him? Do, do I go for it or do I just stick on his rear wheel? Yeah, so I kind of had a game plan because I've been learning a lot of stuff in the 450 class. Like this is, I think, Ryan's second year in the 450 class, maybe third, um, but I think second. But uh, he's been a really good rider. He's actually a pretty good friend of mine too. But yeah, uh, since I've been learning everything new this year, I kind of went into it. I got the whole shot and I was like, oh crap, what do I got to do? And I kind of told myself, all right, don't blow this. Just ride your own race. Don't ride over your head. Just don't do anything stupid. And then when it got into uh, with me, Brees, and Cunningham, um, us five, I was like, okay, cool. Like, I'll kind of just play around with them. And then it's just us three. So kind of whoever is in fifth has the has the strong hand just because of, like, I mean, third obviously does because he has a position to give up. But fifth. If for the LCQ, it doesn't matter who is in front of you. And it, if it's the last corner and you have room, you're taking them out. It's just how it is. Like if, if, if Ryan was in front of me and it was the last corner and it was for fourth, I would clean him out as he would to me also. It's just how the uh, LCQ goes. It's just it's the craziness of the LCQ. But it's everyone kind of knows that rule of where you get taken out in the last corner of the LCQ – it's too bad. Sorry. It's just how it is. So I kind of had a game plan, just kind of like lay around and see where their lines were and stuff like that. And yeah, we all know like, yeah, Ryan's definitely not someone who backs down. He's an aggressive rider. I've been riding with him for years, ever since the cross in 2015. And I kind of knew that, all right, I don't need, need to be like toying with him too much because if I kind of mess with him too much in this LCQ, he'll kind of bump me a little bit and maybe put me down and then I'll be ruined my fourth place. So, yeah, we kind of just kind of just try to run around with each other, and it just ended up me and Cunningham ended up going down him from me, and I ended up going down on my own from Karma. <laughs> was that just like extra traction, or lot just forget where you were? What was the what was the the story behind that one? Because that was just like awkward. Because it wasn't like it was even a you know a rhythm section, you know, a triple out of a one eighty. It was just that you know kind of broad you know, sweeper into the rhythm section. It was just, there it went. Yeah. Like, so the rhythm section, um, it was, it was the, what we were doing. We were going two, three, and then going table over table. And that rhythm was the kind of like the normal line that everyone was doing. Cause it was kind of like the basic normal line, but all day I had been doing a different line around the outside going three table, uh, single over table and then going four going table over two and I just felt like that line was faster all day and when I came to the main or to the LCQ they had pushed the dirt on the berm that I was using to go around the outside like because it was only like one of those little foot 
tall berms that they've been making right. lately. And um, they pushed the like the crumble onto the berm, so I couldn't use it. Like it was there was no berm; it was just crumble of dirt all over it. So I had to switch my line, go to the inside, and I ended up going two three. And I, I did it. I did it all in practice. It was fine because I knew I had to maybe go to it at some point. But I was not really used to the like just the section being so like when in race pace and everything. And then when I did it on like the third or fourth lap, that lap or on like the last lap, I over jumped the triple part of it. And when I over jumped it, I landed in the face of the table over table. And I could have, like, I, I, what I should have done is just gas or, uh, break, went table and then table over one and just kept going. But Jerry Robin was very close. He was like two, he wasn't very close. He was two seconds behind me. And that was, if I would have just quad, if I would have done the normal line, did my normal lap in the, in the, in the LCQ, I would have made the main easy. Cause he had two seconds. I had two seconds behind me. Like it wasn't enough time to catch me. But if I would have not, jumped it he would have been on me right away so i knew that if i don't jump this he's gonna catch me and i'm gonna have to deal with trying maybe getting taken out in the last corner so i just kind of went for it and it ended up being a little bit too much power under my skin and it just went out from under me and i went flying and fortunately landed on the back side of the um landing and came out with no injury so that was lucky yeah, you definitely came out a lot, a lot cleaner than it than it could have been for sure. Yeah, it, it definitely like so many. I had text upon text upon text saying, "Dude, go buy a lottery ticket. Go buy a lottery ticket." Like you got lucky, dude. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I was just like asking people, they want to get on film, like at least. Oh yeah, <laughs> they it, 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 got it on film, oh, all right. <laughs> oh yeah, it sucks though. Supercross Live, the Instagram post it it doesn't tag me oh, it says seriously? oh that's a wild ride i'm like are you i had a, i dm'd them i'm like guys come on like at least give me credit for, i'm the one flying in the air like give me i want some followers out of this this thing's getting hundreds of thousands of views and get some followers out of it at least but no they didn't get it they didn't tag me they, they ended up tagging me in it but not like the in the caption where it says right, your name right so it's like in a video, so you have to click on the video. And like, yeah, I got no followers out of that, so it's pointless. <laughs> <laughs> how bad did I? How bad did Ricky ride you for that one? Because he had to watch that and call it as it was happening for the for the broadcast. How bad was he on you for the next few days? Uh, the next few days was pretty simple for me. Like that day and the next day, were because everyone knew I was bummed. Like I was. Everyone knows me. I'm pretty. I'm pretty. Uh, like sensitive guy. I don't know, like kind of emotional guy to where like something happens i'm pretty bummed or happy or i'm super happy or super bummed or something like that but um uh yeah i was after that race i was in shambles just of like just thinking that was about to be my first 450 main event in my rookie season like it was just going to be a great day and it all just went out from under me in one second and so i everyone kind of left me alone for that day (laughs) but I definitely have gotten some uh, ridicule behind it from all my friends and Ricky now, and everyone just calls me Larry Loop out and kind of <laughs> just brings it up randomly. Yeah, dude, I felt I felt so bad about that one. Like, and I was I was mixed on both ends. Like, I'm I'm friends with you and I'm friends with Jerry, so I wanted both you guys in there. But I knew one when, when it came down to about a lap and a half, two to go before the crash, that it was only gonna more than likely it was only gonna be one of you and you did that and I was bummed for you and I was happy for Jerry, but it, it would have been the same. It would have been the reverse. Had you still 
made it in. I would have been happy for you, bummed for Jerry, but I still had felt like I had to text you at least and just be like, man, you're going to get it. You know, <laughs> whatever I texted you the next day or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever it was that I actually texted you about that crash. Yeah. Yeah. It just had to, I had many people telling me, dude, just keep your head up, keep your head up, keep your head up. And that's what I had to do. I had to just kind of just let it go and just say, it happens. We'll go on to the next weekend. Right. And the next weekend I made the main. So I, that was pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. De- definitely a good redemption for that one. Yeah. So how did the, uh, I know it started last year up in Canada and it's a Canadian team, but how did the whole PRMX thing come about for you after Supercross last year? I know it's a Canadian based team and I know they did some stuff down here in Supercross last year a little bit, but how did, how did you end up uh, signing the deal with them to race up in Canada last year? Yeah. Um, I, I've been talking to Julian with PRMX for a couple of years now, um, for to ride on his team for two fifties. And every year, just uh, I was in with EBR pretty heavily, and the deals were pretty similar. So it just I didn't want to go over and just kind of burn a bridge to where I didn't need to. And but then it got to the 450 season, um, to where and EBR didn't do a doesn't do a 450 season, and I just felt like it was a time to change. I just needed a change in my career, um, just to start new. And uh, he gave me opportunity. I he said, Hey, I'll let you, I'll give you a ride for 450 for the outdoors. He said, but you have to ride for me for Supercross. And, um, so we kind of just talked stuff out, got it worked out and ended up being a really good partnership. We are, uh, I ended up becoming, we, I moved to not moved, but I went up to Florida, Canada for the whole summer, lived at his house and kind of just, we actually ended up becoming pretty good friends. Like we're actually pretty similar people. Um, so yeah, we're, we actually ended up being becoming pretty good friends and, living in the summer up there in Canada. I had a blast. Like it was, it was my first year, really. This is my first year really doing my own thing in, in motocross without school. So, and kind of making it a job and him giving me that opportunity helped with that. And he gave me, he got me a money race every single weekend I went up there. Like uh, from the second I got up there in May till I left in October, I think I missed like in the summer, I missed like only three or four weekends of racing every weekend I was doing a race that he found me or something to help make some money. So he, he's an awesome guy. He works with the team and everything and make sure everyone's happy and make sure everyone's making money. Cause the point of the sport is to, I mean, we love it. We do it because we love it, but we got to put food on our tables as well. Well, and the, and the thing about that is, and that's awesome that, you know, you got a team owner that, you know, has that kind of mentality and is able to work with you and the rest of the guys like that. But, the, and the thing that strikes me, you know, about the whole thing is it's not a small team. I mean, you, that's a big group of guys between all, but just, just the rider aspect on that team. Cause it's what you, Logan, Lorenzo, Mateus. Um, am I forgetting, am I forgetting a couple of guys here? Yeah. You got those. And then you got, you got me, you got me and Kate Clayson on four fifty. That's right. Kate. And you got Matias Jorgensen and Logan on the West Coast, and then you got Lorenzo Lacercio and Justin Thompson on the East Coast. That's right. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a big team. Yeah, he's 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 a different kind of team owner, unlike some other teams to where they start like let's say they start the first year and they're just like all right, let's start slow this year, and then second year they buy a semi. It's like I mean, if you have the money, if you're a multimillionaire, multi and you can afford a semi, then yeah, that's okay. But if you're just a normal team just trying to make it. Um, Julian did it right. He started out 
in 2010. He's actually been a team since 2010, but he, he's done it very slowly. He's had, he had a team with a van first, had a team with a van and a trailer, and then he bought a truck and a trailer, and then a truck and a camper, and then now he's at a uh, rig. So it's, he's kind of done it pretty smart, uh, very smart. And I kind of and uh, kind of watch that and see and see that in him and it's like a businessman and it kind of helps with me because I mean it's, it makes me see that in this world of motocross it's awesome that there's people like that and there's, he's smart enough to know that don't just go and blow up your money in one year so yeah it's been a fun year right because what's what's the old saying you want to you want to have a million dollars in racing start with two or something like that Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's that's the thing with this sport. It's just it's so hard because because he's a salesman as well. That's his normal job, and um, so he's good at getting sponsors and money, and that's what you need for this sport. Like, there's no money in this sport. There's none. Like, all the you got the top guys making millions of dollars, and then you got the guys in the main events making hopefully a salary, and then in the back of the main events, they're just getting them purse money, and it's not enough. So, and the the spectators we get like NASCAR like we get what like six hundred thousand people watching maybe like NASCAR people are asking oh why aren't we as big as NASCAR like it's it's cooler than NASCAR we we fill stadiums I'm like dude like NASCAR has been filling NASCAR places for years and they have there's a money out the frame in that sport it's like we just need more viewers in this sport to bring more money to our sport and then every like if we had we had 5 million people watching or whatever amount of people, even a million, 2 million people watching each weekend. Like just like NASCAR or something like that, everyone in the main event would be making at least five grand. Everyone would be on the night show. It's just, we need more people. Right. And that's, and that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother discussion that we don't even have enough time for on here, but <laughs> cause I mean, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure you've had that conversation a hundred times. I've had the conversation a hundred times or more. That's that's oh yeah. We we won't even get into that. We can we can have that for another roundtable discussion <laughs> with with you and yeah. probably three or four other guys that we can uh, oh, bring into that. If just we to... had like three or four other privateers, just like we would just go off, and it sucks because like I mean, no one really knows the logistics of Feld, but we just we don't know it. So it's Feld. I'm sure Feld's doing what they can, but it's a takes a lot of money to run this stuff too. It does. It does. But. Yeah. I mean, I've had that, like I said, I've had that conversation. I know you've had that conversation. You're, you're involved in it a little bit more than I am, but, uh, for the time being, I don't know if anything's going to change <laughs> as of right now, nothing's even moving <laughs> forward. Yeah. For right now, we just kind of just got to wait around. And, yeah. Well, so yeah, that's my plan for this summer was going to do the exact same thing I was going to do that I did last year just kind of race up in Canada and do all the same thing I did and, kind of just waiting around seeing if we even can do that like hopefully well, this all gets what's realized. the update on on that i don't know if i've seen anything on the on the triple crown series yet i know i saw something yesterday with that that little that smaller i guess i don't know if you even want to call it little but that series that goldie has his hand in i know they just canceled their first round that's supposed to happen in what a couple of weeks i think Oh, like the Future West, I think it's called. Future West, or I, th- or I think he's still part of that, whatever that is, that reloaded ammo or something like that. I think that's his deal, or he's got some kind of part of that. I could be wrong. Yeah, they're, um, they're the Triple Crown, I'm pretty positive the Arena Cross rounds are canceled. Um, Actually, I take that back. That, 
Yeah, I take that back. They actually did put a thing out. Now that I now that I think about it, they actually did put something out. They're not starting until yeah. June now, I think. And then, yeah, the the arena cross rounds are canceled, and then the two super cross rounds are to be de- determined or something like that. Well, like they they said, the the arena cross uh, they're moving the arena cross to September, and they're going to do it in September, and they're starting the outdoors like normal, uh, like it would any any other time. But um, is as of now. And then the Supercross are the same dates too, but there's only like there's only two Supercross rounds this year, right? And there, last like no, year there were what, no Montreal, four? three, but there's no Montreal this oh, year. What happened to Montreal? Any idea? Probably just too expensive to rent out the stadium. Uh, that's probably why they brought in all the ATVs and the side by sides and everything else to try and maybe make up for that yep. last year. Yeah, they just it just it needs more people up there. Like I don't really know what. It's weird because, like, up there, it's, it's a really cool series. Like, it's actually really big right now. Everyone's Canada Moto is really good, in my opinion. So there are – there's factory teams up there for every brand pretty much, like, except for Husky, but they got KTM. And, like, it's – I don't really know why it wouldn't – why a lot of people wouldn't come to – I think maybe just they may do some more um, advertising in Montreal when they do that stuff. But I, I'm sure renting an Olympic stadium is not cheap. Right. No, absolutely not. I'm, I'm sure for for a venue like that, that's probably worse than running a football stadium down here. Yeah, it's uh, it's and it sucks because Montreal Stadium, which is just old too. Like it's like it was built in like because the Olympics there were in like what 1976 or something like that. Yeah, or like mm, like so early 80s or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been forever since it's been even touched. Yeah. True. So. Let's uh, let's change directions a little bit. You've kind of hit on hit on it already before, but you actually are one of the few in the sport, and at least the few in the sport that's actually gotten uh, recognition out of it for the fact that you're actually a college student and now a college graduate. And not only that, but your degree is in a pretty uh, pretty you know intellectually based uh, field. You know, you you can't just breeze by that stuff, and you're uh. Like you said, you help out with uh, Genie and everything. You're you're an IT kind of guy. Yeah, it definitely was a uh, definitely. It's pretty cool that I got that recognition from being in school and everything. Um, when when I started going pro, we kind of had never seen anyone. We never heard of anyone doing it, unless other than like we've maybe heard some people doing it that just kind of go make go make the night shows or something like that. But no one really who's done it who has been uh, like a top name or like a main event name. And so we kind of thought, like, hey, let's use this. I'm like, I'm pretty main event rider. Let's use this as a as something to get my name out there. Like, it's something I, that no one else has done. And it's really um, – I'm pretty proud of myself for doing it. So I'm just going to roll with it. And it worked out really well. Uh, Ricky ended up calling me on, on TV, the fastest college student on the planet. And that <laughs> that ended up being, like, my nickname around the, around the pits everywhere. My friends still make fun of me about it. Just like, oh, that's a college student on the planet here. And I'm like, oh, not not fastest college student anymore. <laughs> fastest college graduate now. <laughs> but, yeah, it was really cool now. And, yeah, I got my degree in IT. Both my parents are in IT. They didn't push me to go do it. I actually, ended, I actually started out being uh, a biology major because I wanted to be a surgeon. But um, being a surgeon and racing motocross was impossible. It's just when to be a doctor, you have to, it's like being a motocross racer. You have to dedicate your whole entire life to becoming a doctor. 
because you have to learn the whole entire body and you have, you have to study 24 seven. And after like the first half a year, I told my parents, I'm like, I can't do this. I'm like, like, it's literally impossible. I either have to be studying 24 seven or, or I'm or I can't, I can't go ride. Cause I have to be doing just medical work and all this stuff. And they're like, well, just kind of think about what else you would want to do. And, um, so I thought about something that wouldn't take as much time as that and would still make me some money. And they said, IT is the future. It will never go away. It's got good money in it. So I tried a couple of classes. I ended up actually falling in love with it. I like it really. I like it a lot. I like the database, database point of it a little bit more than anything. So yeah, it's definitely been a fun ride on that, uh, that whole gravy train. <laughs> Well, you said that your parents didn't push you into it, but they, did you have any prior knowledge of, you know, any IT based, you know, ba- any IT based knowledge, just to repeat myself before, like from them, before you even got into, into that, um, avenue in college, did they, did they, you know, instill anything like that into you just, just because when you were like, when you were growing up at all? Yeah, no, I, um, I never really was interested in the IT or the computers when I was young. Um, I was kind of, I guess, just too focused on just anything else or just moto school and girls, I guess, <laughs> when I was young. But uh, when actually like my best friend, when I was like from like, from like 10, 10 years old to like 16 years old, he actually ended, he actually built computers all the time like did a lot of computer stuff and I never was interested. Like I never went up to them and was like, Oh, what's this? What's this? And show me how to do this. And then they didn't, and my parents, I never asked my parents what it, cause I was just never interested in it. I never really even looked into it. But when I started doing the classes, I liked how things were built in the, uh, in this world of it, the computer world. If you, once you look into it and once you learn what, I, uh, computer is computer science coding and all that is and learn how to do it and learn how all this is made your mind just changes completely because like everything you see online you start looking at it like a coder you start looking at it and all you see like oh that the code is this or that the code is this or this it's just weird because like it's unbelievable what we can do and it changes your mind because it shows you with computers with coding you can pretty much do whatever you want you can think it you can code it because you can just, there's a, there's an algorithm to make it do what it needs to do. It's just so cool. And I've fell in love with it. Yeah. I remember, I remember doing some of that stuff in high school with whatever class it was and a little bit in college. And I, I remember, and and not that the, the classes really offered all that much, but I remember doing some of that and thinking, Nope. Yep. This, this is definitely not for me, (laughs) but, uh, (laughs) but um, it's definitely, it's like another language. You literally have to learn another language. It's just a numerical and, and, uh, alphabetical language that aren't really like in sentences. They're just like in fractions and just, uh, it's kind of like another different language of just math and language at the same time. Right. Well, and you had mentioned earlier that, you know, you were more interested at the beginning into being a surgeon. Um, that clicks off to me a little bit. Isn't that what was similar or the exact same or whatever that, uh, Jeff Walker's doing Isn't he wanted to become a doctor or whatever while he's tra- still trying to do this racing thing. Uh, I don't know. Like, so uh, Jeff Walker's actually a decent friend of mine. Like we, uh, hung out a lot at GPF when he was there and, yeah, he, he's super cool. I, I love him to death. He's, and uh, actually, in his in his bio, it says pre-med. 
so that that probably means he's uh, trying to do something with medical. But I texted him a little bit ago. Actually, just a couple months ago, actually, I think I talked to him a little bit about it. And I, just, I can't really remember what he said. But, um, yeah, he's, it's pretty cool that he's in it as well. It's like a, it's like he's like the motocross part of me, and I'm like the supercross part of him. Like, <laughs> he did the motocross without school, and I did the supercross with school. So, yeah, it's pretty cool seeing that. And it was cool seeing just everyone in school. Like, there's more kids being – uh, aware that this sport doesn't have as much money as everyone thinks it does it's all show and not as much money as they think so I like seeing these kids saying oh yeah we're going to college at least online like they're staying in school and then some people are like yeah we're going to college but I'm doing it online I'm like dude that's awesome like as long as you're doing college classes and something just if you do not know what you want to do after this racing thing unless you want to stay in the industry like you need to figure out with college so it's really cool seeing that with like him and like Kevin Rand is doing, he did online. John Short did online. Uh, a couple of them, it's just cool seeing more kids do it. Well, and uh, it's it's nice to hear you say that because I, like, before when I was, you know, in high school or whatever, you know, I had the mentality, oh, I'm not going to, you know, do this. I, I didn't want to do it. I'm glad I finished it. But, uh, you know, one of the, you know, the racing families that's more pushing the public school thing, even right now, are and I'm sure you've seen this are are the Deegans. You know, Hayden's still in school and he's one of the top 85 riders in the country, and, but he's still going to public school. Well, up until the last couple of weeks, but he's still doing. You know, he's still going to school from you know eight to three or whatever his hours are, and then riding in the evenings. But he's still going to a traditional school instead of you know Brian taking him out and doing the homeschool route. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I actually, I actually didn't even know that. Um, actually, kind of surprises me just because, just because I know he's such a big name and he's so fast. That, but um, uh, yeah, he's that's cool that he's doing that. It's great. Just keep keep Aiden in school, and if he keeps, I will see if he keeps him in it through high school. And uh, I guess it kind of just depends on his career with racing and everything. But yeah, it's that's pretty cool that he does that. Kind of helps that he has a motocross heaven in the uh his backyard when he gets home from school <laughs> oh i would love to go ride but, that track <laughs> yeah it looks pretty cool but yeah that's awesome that he's keeping him in, in school and so hopefully but i have a feeling once we get to big bikes and b class and a class that'll probably go away but which is which is even better for the sport because a lot of kids get dropped out of school before they make like let's say like like that's okay let's say, yeah let's say you go to school and then you finally get, hey, I got this pro contract, like what Justin Cooper did. He went to school his whole his whole uh, career. He was a high school student. He didn't start focusing on it until after high school. And then he went to like a half a school or like a semester um, online. And then he got his pro contract and, and he was off. Then once you get that pro contract, that's okay. But if you don't have a definite future and you have no idea what you're going to do, might as well get your education. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, there's only – you know, and you've hit on it. You know, there's only a handful of guys that that ever make a really, really good, good living at this sport. And oh you know, yeah, you know, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Definitely good to have an education behind it. Well, let's uh back up one more time before you even got into the motocross and the supercross side of things. A lot of guys don't know you were an off roader there for a little bit growing up in <laughs> the, uh, you know, in the the AP days and the Baylors and and all those guys. You were actually an off roader. Yeah, I actually, uh, we dabbled in off-road a little bit. Like, my whole life, we kind of just, so, like, my whole life, I was kind of just, me and my dad, I was just, like, kind of, like, just a weekend warrior, and 
we just found races on the weekends. And when I was on 50s, ever since I was on 50s and 65s, if it was a woods race, and when there wasn't a motocross race, let's go do it. Like that, that was my training was finding a race every weekend because um, through the week I had school and school sports. Like I did every, every school season, every like fall, uh, winter, and spring, I did a school sport. So I didn't have time or anything else. So weekend races were my training. And we found hair scrambles were good for even like cardio because they're two hours long or hour long and you're on 65s. And yeah, I, we kind of just dabbled in both our whole entire life we kind of just went back and forth back and forth and i won the championship in 2009 in the 85 12 13 class the same year ap did in the uh super mini 12 to 13 class yeah we've i've loved junior my whole life and but we just saw that there wasn't you don't think there's money in supercross there's not money in junior disease right so <laughs> like there was like we went to the teams and we're like hey we're the, we went to the factory teams after the 85 year like, hey, we're uh, my name's Josh Carey, blah blah. I'll just introduce myself. Yeah, I just won the 85 class, and it's my first year doing the series. Like, I'm a motocrosser. I never do this, and I won my class by like four minutes a couple times. And then they're like, oh, man, good job, but to be honest, we don't care. Like, you're too young. Like, you got to do this on the big bike. We're like, all right. So we didn't. We didn't even do any after that. We didn't do a GNCC until 2011. Um, I did some hair scrambles, but just uh. GNC 2011 just randomly at Loretta's I won the light B class by four minutes and overall all the B riders and I think I got like maybe I think I got like 30 something overall went back to the factory teams told them what I did and uh they were like oh well you kind of got to do that in A we're like all right we're once after that we're like what are we gonna have to do go win the freaking pro class to get noticed so like I'm like so we just kind of saw that there wasn't really much money in it, and we kind of just started focusing on our super uh, motocross after that, and kind of just now I just randomly do hair scrambles. But you never know; once I'm done with supercross, or if the right contract comes, I might go back to GNCCs. Well, and I'm re- I remember that's how I actually met you initially. Like, f- how long have we known each other? Four years, five years, something like that. We met at the uh, at a full gas down in uh, yeah North Carolina, Georgia. Well, technically both, I guess. That, it's that, like all three it's like tennessee north carolina georgia <laughs> right it hit all three of them but uh no i remember seeing you there and and the i remember i knew your name because i was actually at loretta's the year that you won your your title i was there i was actually there that year just hanging out doing whatever i think i was there for a for an ama meeting or something like that but i remember hearing your name watching your race and everything and then it was you know two or three years later when you showed up at that full gas but that was when you had the uh the slater skins on that Yamaha yep. you were, you were riding. And I was like, okay, there's only so many guys that have those. And I remember getting the video of you. And cause I, uh, I remember like, man, that's, that's a brilliant idea. It's too bad. It didn't take off. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. That definitely was a pretty easy way for people to know who I was. <laughs> just a blue Buffalo guy, just the slider skins. Definitely, people can see you coming. Yeah, it was a good idea. Like uh, John Slater is a super nice guy. Um, I think it's just with this sport, everything's getting going the opposite way of what he wants. Like every everything's going away from bulkiness. Everything's going slimmer, smaller. Like the barrel people are barely on the. Like yeah, I know the sponsors want to see, but it's just how everything's going. I don't see the plastic wanting to go big. 
I think for him, the side, like he, so he had like with Slater skins, he had a top one with that big giant Slater skins you could see. And then the sides were also Slater skins, one big giant piece. Right. I think that would be, that one I would think is a good idea. It kind of looks like one of those, uh, those like kind of like the flat track bikes that they, they're constantly, they're constant, they're like really weird looking. They got like triangle bars. They got like, the whole bike is covered almost. And they're like, they're just drifting the whole entire time. All the, the, and, uh, the they have speedway one, bikes. Yeah, it, it, the side ones kind of look like that a little bit. Just right. kind of like covers a lot of it, and it gives a lot of broad. But yeah, it was a cool, it was a cool time with him. He was kind of, he was honestly my first ever team I was on. Um, actually, second other than the arena cross team, Thermotech I was on with Junior Jackson. But my first ever Supercross team was with him. It was my really my rookie year. In my rookie year, I only did three after go, before going to Junior Jackson arena cross team. But when I came back, I uh, made the main in Daytona, and they called me up that next weekend because their rider, Andrew Silverstein, got hurt. And I filled in for him that year. It was cool. It kind of just helped me put my name out there. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, it definitely uh, – it was definitely a fat – and, like, I know they tried it in Europe back in the 90s, and I'm sure you've probably seen some pictures of that from when it was just – and that was the whole entire side of the bike, not even just up by the – uh, by the radiators, but it was just down the whole entire thing, but it was just, it didn't allow for any air to get through. Yep. But, uh, yeah, it was, no, it's a good concept. It's, it's a shame that it didn't catch on. It's a shame that, uh, you know, you really couldn't, that they didn't put those into production for people to buy them. Cause I think a lot of, a lot of guys liked them and liked the idea of them, but they, they never could actually buy them. Yeah. I had a lot of that too. I had a lot of people asking me, dude, where do I buy them? And even me, I mean, I didn't even know. I had to text John and be like, yo, like these people want to buy somewhere. Do you think, oh, just tell them to send them to me. I'm like, all right. So I just sent them to them and went from there. So, and yeah, I don't, I don't know how they would do that, but you just got to find a distributor to make them, I guess. Right. Yeah. But uh, back to, back to the original point of that was the, uh, the off-road thing. You did that full gas and I uh, actually, from what I remember, you ended up doing pretty well on that thing. Yeah, it was really fun. I uh, actually, I think I've, I, I my I should I should have done pro two, I did pro one on a two fifty. I don't even know if there <laughs> was, was not, I don't even know if there was a pro two class at the time in that series. I don't think that came until after you had ran that race already. I think there was because I remember seeing like a pro one and a pro two class, and then me being like, man, I want I want to go race with Dad and Caleb and all them. I want to race with the big dogs. And then and remembering going, so that's why I went to that class, and even though know, I was on the two fifty. But uh, it was definitely fun. Like I had a couple of rounds where I beat Baylor in the in the test, so that was pretty cool. Just cause he's a pretty big name, but uh, it was fun. I definitely want to do another one once they get close. Well, I've talked I've talked to some uh, privateer guys, mainly some two fifty privateer guys, and they're since there's no Supercross and outdoors don't start for another ten weeks, they're uh, talking about going GNCC and uh, if it starts back up here in the next month or six weeks can we any chance we can get you out there since you're not since you're not racing for a bit i mean I, that'd definitely be fun for me like i would i'd definitely do something if like i mean i'd have to get like a way to get there for free and everything <laughs> like, i couldn't spend any money to get there but uh would definitely be up for it like i actually texted because uh denny bart i know denny bart's really well from uh babbitt and uh who's the uh cowie team right now with josh string and um Who's the other one on the uh, team? Ashburn uh, and then uh, Lennon Snodgrass as well. Yeah, so is that Lennon? Not what? What's his name? Snodgrass. Yeah, he, he's uh, XC two. He 
he's actually too. So like when I went, I actually went to the wild boar gene to see to watch. And, I never even um, saw you there, dude. Yeah. I was walking around just, I just wanted to go see everything, but, uh, he, the bike was in the XC2 bike was inside. I was like, Hey, what happened to the XC2 rider? He's like, Oh, he crashed and got hurt. I'm like, Oh man, that sucks. And, uh, like a week later or like, no, uh, that was so that, yeah, that was Daytona. So that was what three weeks ago, three, four weeks or whatever. Yeah. This, this week I started thinking, I'm like, man, we don't have anything to go on. I'm like, Oh dude. I, so I texted Denny and I was like, yo, you need XC2 rider for the next couple of rounds. Like before I head up to Canada, it'd be cool. I mean, since you don't have a rider right now, cause I thought he was hurt, but, the kid came back actually, so I was like, "Oh man, it was good that the kid came back and hopefully he does well." But yeah, I thought I was like, "Man, that'd be a cool thing to do." But definitely, I'd definitely come out to do a couple of GCCs if I had the time and funding to do it. Yeah, I actually I've been doing the the videos for those guys with with Denny and and uh, Strang and them, and uh, I've gotten to know Linda in the last couple of years just from going to uh, ISDE and stuff and filming and filming at those events. But yeah, no, he he didn't get injured but he was definitely hurt you should have seen his face after his crash in florida it wasn't pretty but uh yeah no he did end up racing in florida and doing fa- fairly decent but no it would have been uh would have been would have been something if if you could uh could make something happen with that and show up to a couple of gnccs and mix it up with those xc2 boys for sure yeah like i'm i definitely like i don't know if like if i if i did one this year if i would do 450 or 250 just because of this me being used to the 450 now um but uh it'd definitely be a fun thing to do like i've i've, I've honestly contemplated it thinking like hey all right supercross is not gonna last forever what could i do like because i mean i love it i love i love i love big money in it and everything but i love school i, I mean i love racing and dirt bikes way more like it's just my it's my dream i love it so i want to do it as long as i can so i'm like man where can i make money in racing and i said man i'm good at gtc's in a couple of years dad or i mean uh caleb's gonna be gone Thad probably is gonna is probably gonna uh actually he, he's probably not gonna retire for a couple of years because once caleb retires he's probably gonna want to put in some championships but uh, it, uh yeah so hopefully maybe after supercross maybe i'll want to come and maybe i'll join denny's team yeah, man, you still got time. You're still young. What are you? What, 25 now? 24, yeah. 24, yeah. Heck, you still got time, man. Those guys are, those guys are my age. You know, we're all 30 or approaching it anyway. And yeah, man, there's yeah, you still got you still got plenty of time. Hell, the the guy that was uh, winning everything back 15 years ago, he was he won his last championship at 40. You can Who do was it. that, David Knight. No, uh, Rodney Smith actually. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, dude, dude, the, one of the best enduro riders in the world is like 50 graham jarvis right like, yeah it's with the oh, that's the good thing about off-road is that you don't like you need to be in good shape but you just need to be in cardio and strength shape like you don't need that sprint shape it's that kind of just cardio long brutal can you hang on for three hours shape and you can do that in with it being longer and not so sprinty you can be older and that's really that's pretty cool that you can do that for a while hopefully i, I will <laughs> so speaking of the uh real quickly speaking of the uh, cardio shape and the strength shape and everything how many uh how many push-ups do you think genie's had you do down down there anytime you've uh made a mistake or or anything while, uh, while practicing <laughs> down at the con- down at the goat farm <laughs> yeah we actually haven't i we, we haven't done push-ups or anything but we definitely if we don't do something right we definitely have to do like a do-over and do the moto again i remember 
one one day she uh we were doing a 20 lapper and she gave me this because we have little things to where if you got to do this lap time on this lap this lap time on this lap or whatever and uh, i remember on one of the things it said on the 15th lap the 15th lap has to be faster than your 10th lap or something like that and if you don't you have to get it yeah you have to do it you have to do the 20 lap again so you pretty much would do 35 laps you do 15 laps mess up and then have to do 20 laps again so i made sure to get that 15th lap (laughs) i didn't have to do any more like that sounds that sounds a little gnarly man hey it's why it's why rick carmichael's the goat yeah you have a point you do have a point there well man i definitely uh, appreciate you taking the time to do this hopefully uh we're back we're back to racing on on all accounts across the country and the world everything a lot of stuff's already been canceled and moved to next year and whatever else but uh hopefully everything back on this side of the pond is uh is back to running here in a normal sense before long and we're able to get uh not only racing back here, but also racing for you up up there in Canada. When is the first? When's the first Triple Crown motocross? I think it's June first, somewhere around there. Okay. Like, but the thing is, but the thing is, for for me, it won't be because depending on if if we get some funding, we'll do it. Like um, Team PRMX, um, we normally in the summer we do Challenge Quebec series and a little uh, rainy cross series up there. Um. Because uh, just because there's they're in Quebec, they're not far away, and there's good money. But and because the, the first four rounds of the outdoor series in Triple Crown are out west, and if we don't have funding to drive 40 hours, there's just no point to do it when there's money races nearby. So I will probably start on the first East Coast outdoor race, which is July 12th. Okay, I got you. Yeah, I, I remember. But, I remember but you doing you know that any, last but year. If you know any, yeah, I'm so I'm doing the exact same thing. But if you know any rich people who want to support a Canadian team, uh, send them our way. <laughs> if I knew any rich people, I'd try. I'd be trying to figure out a way to line my pockets first, and then I'd try helping you <laughs> you out. But <laughs> but unfortunately, I don't know any rich people on any fronts. So <laughs> dang. Yeah, it's, yeah. So it, it, we're kind of just playing it by ear. We'll see how it goes, and hopefully, it hopefully all this goes away in the next few weeks, and we can start racing back racing. Is that going to be all six of you guys on the current team now? Like, is Lorenzo and are all are all you guys going to do that, or is that just you know a select few of you guys going to do that? Do the, no, the Star West and then the rest of the Triple Crowns. Yeah, it we won't do any of the Future West rounds, but like the because those are on the West Coast. But yeah, um, it'll just be a couple of us. I don't think I don't think we have the budget to do all, but I don't know. Um, it's not my, but I know I am. Uh, I know Lorenzo's thinking about it. Um, we just kind of just got to see how it all goes and see who wants to do it. Cause it's pretty, it's a pretty, um, it's pretty hard to do just because like, especially if you have a family or just anything, because like I lived up there for five months and I, uh, I was up there for five months. So I was away from, well, I'm not, I don't have a family here. So I was normal, it was normal for me, but uh, anyone who has a wife or anything like that, you can't, like Cade or something like that, he can't be away from his wife for five months to just live up there. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of things to go into it. So we'll just kind of see how it all pans out. Right on. Well, man, I appreciate you doing this with me. And, uh, like I said, hopefully everything gets started up soon and, uh, whatever happens, definitely wish you the best of luck. And, uh, we'll be watching, we'll be watching for you for, uh, for the good results and, and everything for sure. 
Thanks, man. Yeah, I'll try to get them in, and uh, thanks for having me on here. It was fun. Yep, we'll talk to you soon, man. All right, I'll see you. All right, that was Josh Carwright with the PRMX Kawasaki team. That's going to do it for episode number seven of Motocast Live. Thank you guys all for listening in. We will be with you again here shortly with episode number eight with our next guest. Can't tell you who that is right now, but it'll definitely be a good one. But thanks to you all for watching, and we'll see you on the next one.